0: Hey, are you looking to buy a new car? Are you stuck in a high-rate loan and looking to refinance? Well, UK Federal Credit Union can help. Right now, UK Federal Credit Union has auto loan rates as low as 3.24% APR. You can apply for an auto loan online at ukfcu.org or in person at the dealership. You can get your dream car today. It's UK Federal Credit Union, banking only better. Annual percentage rate. Member qualifications apply. Rate subject to credit approval and subject to change. For full disclosures and cost details, call 800-234-8528. Federally insured by NCU.
1: Huey. Anyway.
2: Get it on the way. Plenty of legs.
3: it's football time in the blue grass you're listening to the ksr football podcast welcome back to the ksr football podcast presented by uk federal credit union check out one of their six locations around town now and tell them the ksr football podcast sent you i'm nick roush joined today by drew franklin Charles Walker, Freddie Maggard will be with us shortly. Uh, today, we're going to talk about Kentucky's loss to the Georgia Bulldogs, but more importantly, one of our former KSR football podcasters is this close to being a starting NFL kicker. Chuck, did you see what happened in yesterday's Rams uh, Dolphins game?
1: Yeah, that guy wasn't even close. Right on um, how many field? Yes.
3: So he was one of two, but – all right. I don't don't want to explain the whole thing, but I'm just going to anyway. Slow Man, who has the worst name ever. Like we can all agree. That's a terrible nickname for an athlete of any kind. They cut him a week ago, and they had this guy, Forbath, from the Bears. was Drew, like, what do we know about Bears kickers? They suck.
0: They're terrible.
3: Yeah, exactly. So, of course, they get this guy – they bring him in. He gets through COVID protocol. He starts this game. He makes a chip shot, but they need to. They did the thing where late in the game, you get close, you kick a field goal so that you can do a touchdown drive at the end.
0: And 10, I don't again. worst part is Claire was unaware.
3: Oh, I don't know what all that was. But
1: it wasn't.
0: My, my ESPN website keeps playing ads. They
3: autoplay all of their ads. It drives me nuts. Like, come on
0: jerk. Yeah. I have the box score pulled up for when we talk, but apparently they don't want to play ads. Sorry about that. Oh, it's well, I
3: I did the same thing where I changed over and it started playing ads in my ears too. I thought it was me. But for bat, they did they're like, all right, just kick this forty eight yard field goal and we'll get a stop and then go score a touchdown, and a tie. And it's nowhere close. So I think we're the, the missed kicks are piling up. Um, Austin's back was, on the practice squad. He, he's this much closer to getting called up.
1: I mean, it was like a hook left. One like the what didn't even get have a shot to go in. Worst kick I, I saw yesterday. Man,
3: it was not good. Well, we all
0: know they should have taken McGinnis the first time around, but the Miami of Ohio connection is why he got beat out. I think they'll be quick to go to him now, knowing they probably. They're already second-guessing themselves, knowing they made the wrong mistake. I think they'll be quick to go to them if Forbath misses a couple more.
3: Well, because, like, I mean, that's obviously – they're having buyer's remorse right now. You know, it's – Drew, You're, I mean, you're going through all of that with your house right now. I'm sure you've made one purchase where you're like, was that the right choice or not?
0: Uh, Yeah, that's usually a bet. When I make bets, I have a bunch of buyer's (laughs) remorse. Happens all the time in sports gambling.
3: I did want to just before I moved on from that game, poor Tua, man. Welcome to the NFL. <laughs> oh I can't think of a worse way to just like your first play is just Aaron Donald's face right into your chest. Oh my gosh. at
0: least you went ahead and got it out of the way. He knows what it feels like. It's it's all easy from here once you take Donald to uh, pile driving you through the dirt. Uh it's all it's all uh from
3: there no it really it really is like it It can't get any worse than starting with an Aaron Donald smack to the face um and it can't get any better than being a Pittsburgh Steelers fan right now Freddie how
2: about them Steelers how about them there Nicholas can you hear me okay
3: yeah I great
2: and they just great. got Avery Williamson how awesome is that I know I love that for Avery and I love it from my Steelers and and good uh, win, 7-0, and off to the best start since 78. So, I'm fired up about it.
3: Charles, it's got to be like – I'm just wondering what's going through Avery's head when he's like – his agent's letting him know that he's going from the winless Jets to the undefeated Steelers.
1: <laughs> and it gets joined. Um, what, they had a couple years together at Kentucky, right? They had some overlap. Yeah. No. Yeah. Two years. At least. No, I, mean, I think Bud yeah, they, was just a year together. younger.
3: Right. Yeah.
1: So that's awesome. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, cause Z, you know, probably they overlapped, but Bud was there for sure. So that'll be great. I mean, you, you're joining a guy that was on the front seven you played with in college. I mean, I think that's, that's awesome. And Steelers, like Freddie said, what a good time to be a Steelers fan. A couple of my good buddies are, and I love watching big Ben sling the rock and I love those young receivers Proven week in and week out that they can make the plays when they need to, and I mean I'm I'm a big Tomlin fan as well, so I'm kind of I'm kind of you know cheering on the Steelers.
3: Well, I hopped on the bandwagon this off season during like coronavirus when we needed some radio content, and it was it was electric, and I was happy to hop on. Now it's even better, um, but I do have one question for Drew. Drew, did did you see Lamar fumble?
0: I did see Lamar fumble. The best defense in football is just <laughs> let Lamar try to score at the goal
1: line.
3: Oh, and it was Bud Dupree yeah. on a strip sack too. Like that's just, it's football god smiling on us after a bad Saturday.
1: You want to know when I knew that the Steelers had it on lock? I knew the Steelers had it on lock. I was at Frankfurt Avenue Beer Depot, some Ooh. of the best. Green beans in town, best pork, best any smoked meat, best in town. Uh, We go there and watch the one o'clock games. And during halftime of the Steelers Ravens game, our waitress got proposed to by a Steelers fan while she was working. (laughs) So he was decked out in all Steelers gear, and the Jason Aldean song got what I got started playing throughout the whole. Um, restaurant. And we're like, they, they don't play a lot of music or what in the world's going on. We turn the corner. And of course, it's the waitress that's, that's waiting on us. We have a table about eight guys watching football. And Steelers guy gets down on one knee. Long story short, she, she says yes. And I looked at my buddy who's a big Ravens fan and went, yeah, today is not your day. No shot. The Ravens come back. And what, what happens? The Steelers maintain the lead. Game over. Um, congrats to the happy couple at uh, Frankfurt Avenue Beer Depot. And go Steelers.
3: It's a bold strategy to propose your girlfriend while she's working. Like,
1: yeah, like you know, she was done, and we kind of needed some food and drinks. And I mean, you can't really ask her, "Hey, I need a, you know, I need another Coca Cola." <laughs> well, I just, it's just kind of like, all right, we'll close. I guess I don't know.
3: Yeah, you got to tip. You got to tip her well too. You know, yeah. like.
1: Congratulations! I don't know.
3: <laughs> beer. Oh man, I mean, is it the worst place to propose to a woman? Well, like while she's working.
1: Needless to say, I had more fun at the beer depot watching football than I did watching the Kentucky offense this week. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you guys want to dive into that, or honestly, we could just talk about things we liked over the weekend versus things we did not like.
3: I mean, I'm supposed to be steering the ship, but I kind of like talking about positive, happy things and people getting proposed to. But I guess we should talk about the Kentucky football game, a little bi-week blues, um, where the Cats lost 14-3 to to Georgia on Saturday. They did cover Drew Franklin. They were the covering Cats. So – I guess it's not a total
0: loss. I mean, it definitely definitely counts as a loss, and we have the complaints as a loss. But I guess the scoreboard, it could have been much worse playing the fifth-ranked team in the country with a quarterback making his debut start. I mean, the score at halftime, I don't think anyone was complaining there. I guess people complained they could have been a little more aggressive there at the end. But if you're just looking at the scoreboard, I guess you can be pleased that it wasn't worse, even though we're past moral victories.
3: Right, right. But, Freddie, going into this game, it did feel like, you know, it, it was going to be hard to judge the offense based on their performance against this Georgia defense. But am I am I wrong in thinking that Kentucky's offense did look better in, in, in spurts?
2: I think it looked better in spots, yes. Especially running a football with uh, Chris Rodriguez, 20 carries, 108 yards, average 5.4 yards per carry. Uh, I think everybody is, was pleased to see him get the 20 carries. Uh, and at times, uh, Joey Gatewood moved the offense. Uh, but, again, I mean, I, I think I think Kentucky <clears throat> rushing for 138 yards against a defense that was only giving up 65 uh, was a bright spot for that offense. Uh, but, uh, you know, only averaging 3.6 yards per pass attempt or – 6.1 yards per pass completion. Uh, you know, we've all talked about it before. Kentucky has to find a way to stretch the field vertically and threaten safeties and threaten corners that are sitting on routes. And And I think that's what they're going to work on in the bye week and see what they come up with against Vanderbilt.
3: I, uh, I did have the like, – like, I know we aren't taking moral victories, Drew, but there are some small victories, like no three and outs. That was a – it was good to see. Uh, their defense also forced timely turnovers where uh, if you give up a touchdown to Georgia right before half, that could just like, you're, you're done for the day, but instead big snack comes up with a big play and Hey, you're still in the ball game. Same thing that happened with uh, after Joey Gatewood fumbles, you think the game's over and then uh, Stetson Bennett and, and a rookie freshman receiver make a mistake. And Kelvin Joseph makes him pay. I know it was thrown right to him, but he still had to make a difficult catch and put his toes in at the sideline. I mean, we've seen guys drop much easier interceptions while watching this Kentucky football team over the years, and that kept Kentucky. That at least gave him a chance to make a play. So, you know, there were good things that happened Saturday, Drew Franklin.
0: Yeah, that that was a difficult interception. I mean, it was thrown to him, but sometimes that can be the hardest one and then get a foot in bounds. I thought uh boss man made a great play there and really going into that game, we knew they'd have to get a couple of turnovers and those were both, you know, George driving about to score. Uh, as you mentioned, the Phil Hoskins was huge right before halftime. Some of us who had UK to cover the first half, it really meant a lot to us <laughs> uh, out there and counted that one out. But uh, yeah, there was great positives. I even thought Joey Gatewood early in the game, he picked up uh, two different first downs on uh, third and short. Um, I mean, Overall, he he didn't blow me away, but, I mean, he showed a few things that were positive. So, I'm not all gloom and doom after what happened in the Georgia game. Would have loved for it to be a win and the offense had more points, but there are plenty of fine moments (laughs) to be happy about.
3: And and to your point, Drew, they got those third downs because they were in manageable situations. So, like, Freddie, the offense actually, like, I, I know a lot of focus is on the attention at the end of the game for not taking more shots downfield. Um, but, you know, they took shots downfield against Missouri and shot themselves in the foot, um, whereas there was a lot of manageable situations early in the game that I think really benefited a quarterback getting his first start.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, I agree. And, and, Mar- and Coach Stoops talked about, you know, there were deep shots called, but but the, it was end up being a check down or, or a shorter throw. And, you know, we'd have to look at the wide angle to see if that was some receivers not coming open or – or Joey just not trusting that that deep pass yet, uh, really hard to tell. Um, mm-hmm. But but at some point in time, we're, we're going to have to talk about Brad White, guys. I'm telling you, he's, he's a freaking star, man. I mean, you know, he took that defense, and, and, and you know, you talk about is it scheme or is it, is it personnel. Kentucky's defense is not littered with future pros like Georgia's, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that defense – you know, held the dogs at 346 yards on 57 plays and his defense now is first in the SEC and first in the nation with 11 interceptions. Third in the SEC in total defense at 355 yards per game and first in the league in pass defense, giving up 212 yards a game. Second in the SEC in scoring defense with 19 points a game. So, uh, you know, I think that Brad White is absolutely maximizing every bit of talent that he has on the defensive side of the football. I think he's a, he's a schematic uh, guy. He's analytical, and at some point in time, we got to talk, start talking about this Kentucky defense being one of the best in the SEC, which statistically it is, and I think that is an extremely bright spot, and we're all going to find the faults in other areas of this football team, but Man, we need to talk about this. I mean, I think Brad White, you know, as a superstar, Kentucky may have to open the open the bank to keep him around another year. And that's
3: uh, those stats are even more incredible when you consider the fact that Ole Miss lit him up that second game of the year and <laughs> poured a ton of points and passing yards on him. Uh, so I, I'm with you too, Freddie. I know Josh Moore kind of made this comment like a few weeks back, like, "Man, I'm really going to miss Brad White when he's gone." because he's so good in interviews, you know, like he doesn't give you that yeah. kind of bull crap coach speak. He really gets into the details of it all. And one thing he said earlier in the week that really hurt Kentucky on the first drive was that Georgia runs a lot of outside zone. And yeah. it forces you to make tackles kind of coming at an angle to where you can't really stand people up. And Georgia got some real aggravating yards on that first drive. They ran it right down Kentucky's throat. The edges did not come ready to play. Jordan Wright was really hesitant in that first drive. Just on closing, I think he was worried a little bit too much about the quarterback keep. But uh, Kentucky, for, they, they weren't good on that first drive defensively. But from that point forward, they had, nothing came easy for the Georgia offense.
2: Yeah, I mean, the Kentucky defense this year, I mean, you guys were too young, but it reminds me of the Jerry Claiborne defenses, which were about the same, you know, ranking and status-wise, were one of the best in the SEC. Is is the Kentucky defense bends but doesn't break. You realize that opponents have twelve red zone trips in the past four games and have only scored four touchdowns against the Cat. That's a pretty good number. That's crazy.
3: Oh man, that that's that's really crazy. Which Freddie, I just saying that out loud a second ago about we're too too young to remember. I bet Drew kind of remembers. Drew, did you remember like did you try growing your it out like freddie back in the day
0: uh no i was uh a little too young not to make freddie feel old here but i was just a little bit before i went full-blown crazy uk fan
2: well you also and had drew, your
3: dad too that like ruined your brain you know or at least yeah. tried
0: to
2: he failed hey, but he tried. hey drew your guy boss man is leading the country in interceptions by the way
0: like we all knew he would be and- <laughs> Other than a little Seth Williams setback we had early on and a little embarrassing photo or screenshot of the Missouri players surrounding him, it's it's all been boss man fat uh, good things this season.
3: Man, that really is just like a middle finger to all those haters because there were a lot of haters out there, a lot of haters. And, I mean, he is just like, oh, well, now I'm the uh, country and receptions six weeks through the season. Not too shabby.
0: Not done. He's getting uh, one every other game. I think he's going to turn up the pace here, too. He's just getting comfortable. I think we're going to start seeing one A game moving forward. Oh, one A game.
3: All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. One interception a game. Um, I also wanted to note, too, that Jamin Davis, he's pretty good at tackling players. Damn good. He is up yeah. to, I'm pulling the number up now, 58 tackles, ninth in the SEC. He had 13. Second in the SEC. Oh, it's second in the SEC? Oh, that's national. He's ninth yeah. nationally in tackles. Excuse me. And yeah. the guys ahead of him, most of them have played seven or eight games. So, yeah. Just uh, not too shabby. Not
2: too shabby at all. Another number on the defense uh, is Kentucky allowed 346 total yards and 14 points against Georgia, and only have one tackle for loss and zero sacks. So one negative play and still had held them to 346 yards. That's pretty good.
3: It's kind of crazy, too, they didn't have any big plays. But, Chuck, you really do just got to be impressed with what Kentucky's defense has been able to do, even though the, the many haters will be quick to point out that Georgia's offense isn't exactly uh,
1: buzzing like a bee. Oh yeah, but I still think you know you have two turnovers and you you hold that that O line and really after that first drive, you know what they go twelve plays, eighty six yards and it looks like wow, this is going to be a long game for the Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, you know then we come back with a with really a hell of a drive. Um, we get down into that red zone and then we have a penalty called on us again. Another drive. Uh, the what was it? Two men in motion. Mm-hmm. So then, drop that drops you back to first and fifteen against a stout Georgia defense when you were moving the ball pretty damn well, um, and you know they, they go all out on that third down and do a, or call a zero blitz, and our really what Demarcus Harris, redshirt freshman, probably doesn't hasn't been in that situation where hey it's a hot route now run a slant get open and you don't have that relationship between Gatewood and Demarcus Harris on hey what do we do. Can I trust you in zero coverage? Well, obviously not, because Demarcus Harris runs a must outside release. Nothing, the ball is coming to him, and Gatewood throws it away. Which again, we got we got a field goal out of it. Spicy Italian meatball comes through, but you, you have to think if you have some veteran wide receivers, they know what cover zero is, and it's kind of like, hey, there's no rules anymore. You know, I can run a slant, <laughs> I can run a if I'm gonna run a go, I can run a quick go. And, get it open throw it on my head um I don't think we have that and obviously it showed and that's why we settled for three points instead of uh maybe a possible touchdown I remember when I was playing we would love teams you get into that third and short and a lot of teams would just call straight zero and it's like all right during film week it's hey when it's third down third and short they're gonna call zero be ready run a slant practice it I guess we did they didn't do that this week
2: you know, one thing Joey could have done there too, Charles, with the two safeties blitzing like that is he could have called timeout there. I thought I yeah. think that's that's an experience thing for him, you know, because, I mean, sometimes the defense wins. I mean, you know, it's Kirby Smart's one of the best defensive coaches in America. And, yeah. and you know, you're dealing with – you know, Richard LeCount is, was the first team All-American safety. I mean, he's pretty daggone good. Mm-hmm. Every player in that secondary will play in the NFL, so – uh, you know, you get the two safeties blitzing like that, man coverage. Here comes the outside backers as well. You know, he—if he, he didn't have a remedy, he could have called time out there and lived to fight another play. I mean, uh, Freddie, you saw it. Those
1: those safeties weren't hiding it. They kind of. No, came. I'm looking in the box going, we've got no running back to pick anybody up, and those yeah. mo-
2: coming. <laughs> yeah. And you know, Charles, I almost thought- there. I almost thought they're so blatantly showing this blitz, they're going to back out of it. Yeah. Maybe that's, you what know, I don't know. I, but man, you know, every indicator and red flag was up. You had uh, DBs inside out, which indicates man coverage, and those two safeties coming downhill right before the snap. I mean, you know, Woo. that's an experience thing. Yeah. Yeah. A couple times you get hit in a jaw like that, you'll start learning the call timeout. Georgia, you know, they, they did a good job on the corner blitzes and things of that nature that influenced the sack. And that's hard to pick up. It that, that comes with time and experience. Well,
3: in one of the sacks, I, I don't remember what, the exact scenario at the time, but it was exactly what you were talking about, Freddie, where they're on the boundary and it's third down. They're going to bring the corner and it's going to be the unaccounted man and he's not going to see it coming. He did not yeah. he gets sacked. Um, yeah. But the play y'all are talking about, the one before that, it was the second down play where they're in the red zone. Uh, and I know some folks were, you know, they were like, well, you have Rodriguez. Why do you get off the hot hand once you get in the red zone? I think that's a fair complaint. But that's also not a, like a pretty good kind of down and distance, a good time to take a shot and try to get in the end zone. And on second down, I think that's one of those shots that's, that they, that Soup said they called up. And Gatewood was looking to his left. And the, the the pressure got to him before he could get through his progression, because Justin Rigg was standing with nobody open to his right. You could just see it in the corner of the screen. It was like, oh man, if he just if he could could have got to him, like it was there, it was there. But he was just, you know, he needed another second or two to to be able to connect with him.
0: That play right there, I, I was at the game, and you know, it's a different experience watching it at the game. I don't see as much. I haven't gone back and watched. That play with Rig, he was so open, and I almost screamed in the press box, which you know we're not supposed to do. But, I mean, that path was completely there. I don't even know how it looked on TV, but nothing but green space.
3: Oh, it was so – and, like, you get it. Like, especially when your offense hasn't been taking those shots, you, you're really anxious to get those. They were just daring Kentucky to, all right, well, right, we'll let you throw four and five-yard passes all day. And that time, that one actually could have gone for something big, and that one. That one hurts. That one hurts, Drew.
0: There's another missed opportunity, and looking back, maybe it's not as cool as I thought it was in the moment, but early in the game, uh, Gaywood spun out of a sack. I mean, it was really impressive, and he, he almost broke for the first down. Another defender tripped him up, but, I mean, had he not gotten shoestring tackled, just the spin to dodge a broken play, I think there was two guys trying to pull him down. Uh that, that was early in the game. I thought, wow, maybe this dude's for real. And it was on the verge of being something special. Someone tripped him from behind. But there were a couple just close, big plays there. I, UK had just mm-hmm.
1: couldn't pull off.
3: Trolls, what did you just think in general about uh, Gatewood's first start? Do you
1: like what you saw? I did. And, you know, I'm never one to <clears throat> downplay, not the correct word. I liked what I saw. I will say – Advertised as a dual threat quarterback, I think that's pushing the line. I think that he can run the ball. I'm not sure that his vision is proven. And, again, it's different when you're on the field. You see way more than I do when I'm watching my TV. But he kind of almost reminds me of like a deer when he's running. His legs are kind of everywhere. I don't know. I thought there were some cutbacks or really – reading some blocks that he could have done better on these first downs when we're running read options or he has a lead back blocking for him and we're kind of getting two and three yards when it looks like we might be able to get some more um i, I liked watching him play i think he'll be great but I, I think to call him a dual threat quarterback right now is solely because he is six four two twenty uh not because he can actually run the ball so uh, there's my take on it. And if you want, This is a kind of a
3: spicy take. I, I, I like it because there were times where you're right, where you, you don't know if he made the right reads or not. I'm willing to give him a little bit more benefit of the doubt because of the lack of game experience. Uh, but he was at least falling forward in most instances where it's like, Freddie, I, just, I, I was happy to see him get some hard yards when he was running the ball and, and convert on some of those Uh, short-yardage situations, your third and threes. Uh, I know Rodriguez had a couple tough fourth downs where in in those short-yardage situations where Kentucky really struggled in the past, uh, they just didn't dilly-dally around. Instead of running the sideline, they were just getting north and south
2: in a hurry. Yeah, Kentucky had 15 first downs for the game, 11 of them were on the ground, three through the pass and one by penalty. Uh, But, you know, with Joey – Man, that Georgia defense closes fast. Uh, you know, just like passing windows are smaller against Georgia than they were against Missouri. Everybody else uh, because of the the talent level over there, and, and those linebackers close real fast. I mean, it's it, it it happens so quickly that that a linebacker's coming at you, a DB, whatever. Uh, but yeah, he uh, uh, I, I I liked the how Kentucky used Rodriguez to move the chains. And, uh, you know, I know Drew was a a big supporter of Rodriguez getting more carries. Uh, You think 20 is enough for him, or is he a running back that can do more Drew? I
0: mean, With what he did against Georgia, I mean, you you said it all week. It was a big talking point. They only gave up 65 rushing yards a game. I mean, the way he was just dragging them down the field, doing those kind of Benny-like runs where he just keeps going, I mean, I, I think you got to feed him that many times against teams that don't even have that good of a good run defense. I mean, he just could not be stopped. So I want, I want to keep seeing more and more and more until someone slows it down.
3: There was uh, – the, the one thing that Rodriguez really benefited in this game too uh, is just his running style. That's the I think that's the only way you could have success against Georgia is running right at him. There was a play when Kentucky got around the 35 or 40. Where Gatewood made the wrong read. It was right before the fumble. They were running a, a cat where they, they they pulled the or a counter where they pulled the guard and the tackle and he had the read and he didn't give it to the back. He kept it, he gets tackled for a while. Next play, um, uh, he ends up fumbling the football. It's like, come on, don't be a hero, Joey. But when they ran that play again, the counter, the 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 handoff to the back, it was there again. And Rodriguez bounced it and went outside, and there was running room, but that running room was gone just like that because those yeah. backers. It closed so fast, Freddie, that like yeah. even if you had uh, a smoke or a rose in the game, just trying to run around those guys, you just can't because their closing speed is ridiculous.
2: It is. I mean, that's why you know those. The, you know, that's that's why the draft is going to be very friendly to that defense from Georgia. Now, half of them are hurt now going to the Florida game. So, we'll see how that works out. And then I think Richard LeCount was in an accident, I'm not mistaken, uh, when they got back to Athens. So, really? uh, that's something that, that – yeah, that's something's going to be concerning for, for Georgia going forward to play Florida. Uh, so, let's talk about the fight. Oh. Oh, that was fun. Bye.
1: What, what led up to it, though, there was two clips – one was, uh, I think, Alan – no, I think it was Anthony Miller got into it with – what's his name, Gardner Johnson? Oh, I'm talking about Florida and Missouri. Oh. <laughs> oh, I watched the game last night. Or, yep.
3: <laughs> the Bears fight was really funny, though, Chuck, because it was just out of nowhere.
1: On whims. I played against him. He was really good. Um, I didn't realize it was him until they showed you know the the clip of it um but what happened in the missouri florida i did not see this where did javon
3: Williams go to school where did georgia huh
0: yeah Yeah, my last night was uh, georgia versus florida He was pretty good
3: (laughs) so there was a georgia versus florida fight in the nfl and then you have florida and missouri fighting at halftime what was dan mullen doing freddie because
2: I don't know. I didn't. I, I didn't see it. I, I just saw the fight. I didn't see anything. Mullen was doing
3: because he, he. So like the the kind of what I took away from the announcers drew on the clip you posted on KSR was that Trask kind of took a hit on that last play and he sprinted out to midfield to like give the refs hell and then so the benches just cleared and they started giving each other hell and just haymakers and yeah suit. so.
0: Trask did get absolutely murdered, and they didn't call it, way after the throw. It was a Hail Mary attempt. I'm sure the ref just thought, whatever, halftime, didn't really – I didn't even caught it. But, you know, usually you want your coaches to be the guy holding you back, but Mullen was out there like the guy leading the fight, <laughs> like uh, Jon Snow leading the charge or something. It was He was doing the opposite of what he should have been doing. I thought he was going to be one of the ones throwing punches, um, all in defense of his QB, but he picked up a hefty fine today – Twenty-five
3: thousand
0: dollars. So, uh, <laughs> Booster picked that up.
3: The weirdest part was that after the fight, when everybody went to the locker room, he like he like came back out like a baseball player who tips his cap to the crowd and was like firing the crowd up like a crazy person. It was like, what what is this guy doing?
0: Yeah, he, I forgot. He went into the tunnel, then came back out of the tunnel, waving his arms for everyone to get up. And then when he did the SEC Networks interview. It was just like nothing had happened. He was like, yeah, you know, some of our guys got a little out of control. <laughs> I was yelling at my TV like, dude, you were the one out of control. I just watched you. You were losing your mind. Oh, Not a fan he, of Dan Mullen. Does anyone like he, Dan Mullen?
2: Was he dressed like Darth Vader? Is that the interview you're talking about?
3: No. This was just like in the game, I think. Really. Yeah, this oh, okay. was at, at
0: halftime they interviewed him. Mm.
3: So, wait, did he dress up like in a Halloween costume after the game? Yes. He He dressed up like Darth Vader. Dude, Mullen, you are not the bad guy. You are a nerd who's trying to be the bad guy. And, like, he is the worst loser that, I mean, him and Urban Meyer are just, they are cut from the same cloth. They don't know how to act when any sort of adversity comes their way. They just lose their mind and turn into just a bunch of deranged lunatics. Because that's what Mullen looked like Saturday night was just a crazy person. He was a
2: crazy person. That was a good fight, though. Normally, it's just, you know, a little chirping and whatever, but th- they were getting after it a little bit.
0: Yeah. And it, I mean, was, it was a vicious hit on Trask. I don't blame the Florida guys for going crazy.
2: Man,
3: I'm just – I'm pumped that, like you're, – you're right, Freddie. Watching some of those old fights that you guys got into, it isn't like the uh, uh, hold me back kind of fight. No, you
2: know? no. <laughs> No, it's it's you better you better have it strapped you better have your helmet strapped on or you're gonna get it taken off, and used against you. So yeah,
3: <laughs> old Miles Garrett style. Yeah, I'm looking up this line now because I'm real I'm curious what it came out at. What have, do we know the for, the cocktail party line?
0: Uh, I can give it to you. It,
3: it opened as Georgia minus five, and it's down to Georgia minus three and a half. Hmm. Minus three and some, I'm – I wasn't sure which way that was going to go, if it was going to go Florida or Georgia's way. Because I know Florida's dealing with some COVID stuff. Um, yeah. But Georgia's got its fair share of injuries. Um, and, and to bring it back to home to Kentucky, the Cats were pretty banged up on Saturday. Uh, you had Kenneth Horsey and Luke Fortner, both starting offensive guards, uh, did not finish the game. I think they Horsey had a knee injury. Uh, Fortner had an ankle. DeAndre Square left the game early, and so did Cedric Dort with an ankle injury. So, uh, the the bye week always comes at the right time. That's what they say, right, Freddie?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and this bye week is is going to be different for Kentucky than than normal bye weeks because uh, they do have some some things to fix, especially in that passing game. Uh, I think you know Charles can speak to this, but most likely your wide receiver, that, that's going to be a position up for competition. Yeah. And, and that could be something to watch during the bye week. And, and, you know, the cats got to get that, get the, get the downfield passing game, uh, you know, worked out before the Vanderbilt uh, for Vanderbilt comes to town. So it's it's going to be an intense bye week for, for Kentucky. And I would suspect some practices, uh, you know, I, they'll be smart about it because they have played six games and, and everybody is a little bit banged up, but, I could foresee some some pretty intense practices for uh, this week and next.
0: It's a it's a bye week for Kentucky, but can we talk about how is Tennessee in trouble if they don't beat Arkansas? That's what I'm watching this weekend. We've Ooh. got Tennessee. I think they might even be an underdog. If Jeremy Pruitt loses gets destroyed by Kentucky and loses to Arkansas. In a year, you know, where they're already going to have plenty of losses, I, I'm kind of watching the mayhem in Knoxville this weekend while Kentucky has some time to rest.
3: Tennessee was minus three opening line, uh, down to one and a half. Uh, so, where's the game? It's at Arkansas, too. That might swing all the way to the Razorback side.
0: That'll put them at what two, two and four if he can't win that one.
3: Yeah, that wouldn't be good. I I will say I did something today that I wasn't proud of, but I played the hypothetical game and it it kind of stinks, but like when you beat Mississippi State and and Tennessee, that usually means you're having a pretty good year if you're Kentucky football. And when we look at like the season big picture, you know, not to discount what this team's, you know, could potentially do, but Four and six is probably like that's that's a about as good as we think it's like five hundred, is best case scenario. Most likely three and seven or four and six. But if this was a normal year, that's seven and five. Like in a normal, if you looked at the schedule under normal circumstances, you're beating your MAC teams. Um, You get a good shot at beating Florida early in the season when they still don't have any defense. But you get the chance to to beat Louisville to end the season to make you feel good about yourself. You've got two rivalry wins. And then a South Carolina win could get you up to eight wins. So, Chuck, you always say it's never as good as it seems and it's never as bad as it seems. That perfectly illustrates it, that like all of these teams that we put on a pedestal at like seven and eight wins, they aren't so different than this football team right now that just looks and feels terrible. <clears throat> but it's because they've just been playing all SEC
1: opponents week after week after week. Yeah. Insert Austin Powers talking or Dr. Averill talking to Austin Powers. We're not so different. You and I, you'll have to do that. <laughs> um, I know. I think you make a good point and as bad as it is, you know, Stoops always talks about there's truly four to six plays that can change a game. It's never one. But there's usually a couple you can pick out and say, okay, whether it's a score or a momentum change, that's what changes this game. I think it goes back to the Auburn game and that Chris Rodriguez touchdown where his whole body was practically touching the back of the end zone. They don't call it, we throw a pick, they ended up canceling the pit or the touchdown due to targeting, blah, blah, blah. That very well could have affected this whole season. You know, we're at the bye week now. You can't look back. Um, but we have that, and then you have the the Ole Miss throwing the deuces up after you've already had a very tragic loss. You have a chance to go tie the Ole Miss game seven seven, and your starting senior running back is throwing up deuces, getting caught. Um, I, I think with an all SEC schedule, four and six is not terrible, but we could easily be in an eight and two team or a seven and three team. Now we're looking at the opposite of that, Um, and it's based on dumb plays. Not all by us, but some have to say it's that Kentucky football curse. I don't know.
3: I will say that even when I know the replay is doing the right thing, every time they call a replay, I just – you know it's going to go in the other team's favor.
1: Well, how about that fourth and one that what was going to be fourth and one. And then there's no irrefutable evidence showing that Georgia had the ball across where we thought it could have been. Um, it, you know, did it look like he probably had the first down? I don't know. Kind of. You would think that if the ball's there, he has it. But they call it fourth and one. Then they go back and look at the video. You have no idea where the ball is. And then he gets overturned. It's like, what? And there's also a hold. There was a hold. Oh, man. That was such a – Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right – they were holding the echoes right in front of the ref. And it's like, what – where's the call? Where is our break? When is our break going to win? What year?
3: It feels like that with fumbles too, Freddie, because, like, a lot of fumbling is just dumb luck where, you know, you get a helmet on a ball. But, like, even when Georgia was putting it on the turf, it was bouncing in their hands. Can we not get the
2: ball bouncing in our hands some – yeah, turnovers are really just about how the ball bounces. I mean, and then you can say the same with Phil Hoskins, got the batted pass, and with the interception, it's just you know, where that ball ends up after he tips it. So, yeah, I mean, Phil Hoskins had a, had a contested catch. You know, that was a, <laughs> that was a tough play by him. And, oh, man. That, Brady, that, when you, when you and we that, talked about ha- – ha- what's it,
3: that? When you say he made a contested catch, it sadly makes me think that our defense
2: has had more contested catches than the offense this year. Yeah, I mean that was a huge play by feeling. <laughs> you know, I, I knew Georgia couldn't put that ball in, in Bennett's hands and expect to win. Uh, you know, I, I figured they would they would run as much as they did, and they they exceeded their uh, game average. They were averaging 166 yards coming into Saturday, and they rushed for 215, uh, which isn't a a huge number, but it was enough. Uh, you know, but but yeah. I i was hoping that they would put the ball in Bennett's hands and, and try to let him beat Kentucky because i think i did, i i just don't think that could have happened man let's talk about the speed of that game if there's no tv timeouts
1: that game probably would have been over in an hour and a half <laughs> I mean, it's halftime of our game and it's still the start of the second quarter on other uh games that went off that that was yeah crazy. Crazy fast. We get done with the one of our drives, and I'm looking at the second quarter, and it says three minutes and 53 seconds left. And I legit thought that we were still in the first quarter. And wow, this is the fastest. And I wish there would have been a, a bet on that, or how many rushes would be done between both teams. I'm sure they overhit there.
3: I know you were very happy about the speed of that game, Drew. Except, except the ending. It, the the first 50 minutes took. I don't know, two hours, and then the last ten minutes took an hour.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was on pace to be record time. I, it slowed down there at the end a little bit, but we were still may, able to make our Halloween parties that night.
3: Well, what's uh, great. What did you all, oh, did
0: you all think of the, uh, the Backstreet Boys with the National Anthem? <laughs> oh, man.
3: Did,
0: you all going to make me say it out loud, or do you all want to say it?
3: Okay, I I will say this: they, the idea of having them four in different locations and kind of harmonizing that way, not you know, the concept could have worked. But Drew, they did what you're not supposed to do, and they started like going crazy on words that you don't go crazy on. Like we're so gallantly streaming, they were going like gallantly. It's like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Slow it down, Brian. Slow it down.
0: You know, we're big boys fan of out Kevin Richardson, uh, UK football super fan. Wasn't the, the, the best national anthem we've ever heard. They went off script quite a bit. But I will say it was pretty neat to look up in a year where there's not much going on at the game day atmosphere, and you do have these – you know, they're superstars and they're on the screen on Zoom. That was pretty cool to see that as uh better than you know, just someone from the
1: science department. I thought it was pretty funny too, the some of the subtle flexes that were on the uh different singers, I guess where they were singing. It'd be like if I had a national championship and I would like had the ball right here on our Zoom, like right behind me.
3: Over your shoulder. Yeah.
1: <laughs> two of them were you know, two of them were in a recording booth that probably had all their platinums and golds and all that stuff. And I think Kevin was just, you know, just his face, but I thought that was pretty funny. Some of the subtle flexes that were being shown throughout that.
3: Oh, well, I, I, I'm glad they got the gang together. Freddie, are you a big Backstreet
2: Boys fan? Uh, I'm a fan that, that there are fans of UK football. There we go. I just, I don't, I don't imagine
3: they were in your wheelhouse quite like they were in mine where, that was, I think, I, the first you know, CD I ever bought was Millennium.
2: I don't really remember them, to be honest with you. I, I don't know if, if you know, I just wasn't listening to stations that played them. I, I don't know what. I, I don't really remember a lot of of what they had to, uh, what they their product, to put it that way.
3: Oh man, I bet they were writing like TRL, Drew. I bet that was your jam. Like you're, you're the perfect age for the TRL hysteria.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely that age. I wasn't necessarily the TRL guy, but, you know, I I was part of that generation. You had to be in front of the TV at 3.30 to see what was going down in Times Square with Carson Daly and everybody.
3: Yeah, and people, like, waving out the window at, like, all the crazy people out in the middle of the street, like, lined up to see the, who was going to be there. Wild times. Wild. What's times. TRL? It was a show on MTV. They counted down the top ten music videos
2: oh.
3: of the day. And they would bring in like you know, Eminem would come there, and he would do he was up to shenanigans and they would have Britney Spears and you know all these different pop stars. The Backstreet Boys would show up, and then you just have like, oh my god, it's the Backstreet Boys! Ah!" It was it was wild times. Wild times back in the late 90s. Um, but like I said, what's not gonna be wild is this bye week. We're gonna take it easy. It's gonna be nice and relaxing. And it's going to be even more relaxing thanks to our friends from Midnight Rooster, the best in the CBD game. They're partnering with KSR to make sure you're relaxed this bye week. Isn't that right, Drew Franklin?
0: That is correct. I just learned they have a tattoo um, cream. I don't have a tattoo, but I thought that was very neat because I haven't seen many tattoo creams on the CBD, CBD market. I can't talk. So if you have a tattoo check out Midnight Rooster. Or if you have a beard, check out, check out Midnight Rooster. Yeah. Or, back or if you just need the drops to help you go to sleep, check them out.
3: M-I-D-N-I-T-E Rooster. Check them out right now, especially this bye week where we are going to get to relax a little bit more. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious as to what some of your plans are because I'm just going to – I plan on losing a lot of money betting on the Breeders' Cup. That's just—it is what it is. Win or lose, I, I'm just—I'm just sad that we can't actually be at Keeneland, Drew, because it's going to be gorgeous weather and for the best horses in the world to be competing in Central Kentucky.
0: Yeah, and the city's excited because last night there were fireworks in Lexington, like the Fourth of July. I did not know what was going on. These were not the small town—small town fireworks. They were lighting up downtown found out today it was for the Breeders' Cup, so we're excited here in Lexington for it, even though no one can go, but I, I'm with you. I'll be uh, losing my money on Saturday.
3: Yeah, and we have a promo code with Bets if you'd like to try to get in on the action. Um, I know Matt has a bunch of different contests with the radio show this week to get you in on the action. I'll just say that my one of my favorite long shots in the classic is By My Standards. It's got some local connections, and... It's been good to me. It won me quite a bit of money betting at Oakland this spring when there were no other sports happening. So I, I like By My Standards is a little long shot in the Classic. It's going to be interesting to see if uh, if Swiss Skydiver, if she runs in the Classic or does the, the distaff with the Phillies. Um, but nevertheless, a lot of really talented horses. I might even share some picks over the weekend. Who knows? There's that happening. We also have Notre Dame Clemson Saturday night. Um, along with that Arkansas Tennessee game which Freddie I don't know about you but I do think there's an added layer of intrigue with Trevor Lawrence out and can you say the the new Clemson quarterback's name no <laughs> I,
2: I cannot <laughs> I uh, but yeah no I, I think Clemson I think Clemson a role in that game uh, the Tigers are just so much more athletic than Notre Dame so I, I I I'm taking Clemson all day in that one.
3: Ala or something like that. But yeah, yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad because it's going to bring that line way down. No Trevor Lawrence. So there's uh,
0: one other big game to keep an eye on this weekend. I want to get your all's predictions. Uh, only Mississippi Bandy, a couple of teams that can't do anything. Who you got in that one?
2: When's the last time Mississippi State scored a touchdown?
0: Been a while. They're a 16-point favorite. He got wow. up,
3: too, to 18-and-a-half.
0: Actually, no, it's now 19-and-a-half. Jesus.
3: People believe that they can do that? Like, that they can score that many points? I guess so. Our, bo- our boy Danny Clark opted out, too. Uh, man, you really hate to see it. We could have had a little Danny Clark revenge game going next Saturday.
0: I keep forgetting he's there. That's so ridiculous.
3: Well, he's not there anymore.
0: Well, I mean that he even was there to begin with. <laughs>
3: yeah, Vanderbilt's up, struggling.
0: I'm looking up as they're showing the Missouri Florida fight on my TV. Man, that was a good time.
3: <laughs> um, oh, Freddie, I'd also like to bring. How about Mike Sanford just being terrible again?
2: Oh, man, that, I watched that. That, that was crazy. Uh, what about the uh, roll the boats at zero and two right now in, in the Big Ten? That, that's. I think you called that, Nick Roush. Yeah, I really like that line too. They were gonna to try to win by twenty, and
3: I, if you sprinkled money line, that would have been good. But I, I loved playing Maryland at home after they had a bunch of turnovers in that week one. They'd be able to get right, but I, I just like that the we're getting some weird games out of it. The Big Ten's playing a lot of Friday nights. I don't see one this week on the schedule, um, but we are getting BYU Boise State on Friday night, which that could be a game. Like if BYU or if BYU goes to Boise and wins, which that open is B- Boise state minus three to a uh, two and a half point favorites for BYU. If they stop them, they're going to try to make their case to be a playoff team. BYU is. Um, and I like too, that there's rumblings that like of somehow making a Cincinnati BYU play in game for the playoff. Like if they, if they go undefeated because Cincinnati is just rolling through the American right now. Um, but even bigger news, Drew Franklin, especially for Degenerates, Maction starts on Wednesday with six games, and I believe four, four of them are on national television.
0: Yeah, and uh, those are going to be fun to bet on, even though we're going to have no idea what is going on to start. <laughs> but it's excited just to have the Mac back in our lives. Uh, kind of America's darling conference of, of college football.
3: The Sun Belt had, has had a good run of it, but playing on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, That'll really get America back in on the Max train. Uh, Freddie is 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 Indiana going to mess around and beat Michigan?
2: Man, I, well, the Hoosiers are what two and O right now. Yeah. yeah. Michigan, Michigan. I, I man, I just don't get it. I thought they looked really good in their opener, uh, and and then loses to lose loses to Michigan State. I I just don't get it. I, I don't get Michigan. I don't understand it. Uh, the talent level at, at that school is, is much better than that of Michigan State and, and loses at home. It's just inexplicable, uh, the hardball era at Michigan. I mean, I I, I, I really thought Michigan was going to be pretty good and actually could play with Ohio State until I saw Ohio State play <laughs> against Penn State, and th- that ain't going to happen. And then Michigan messes around and loses. So, uh, I, I listen, what's the spread on that one? I mean, I, I, Indiana can score. Certainly. Uh, so, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Indiana does, beats Michigan. Well, and, and it's
3: it's the hardball era in a nutshell where you you beat the team you're supposed to and you lose your rivals. He's 1-6 at home against Ohio State and Michigan State. Uh, they actually – Michigan opened the two-point favorites. They're up to three-and-a-half at Indiana. But don't look now, Charles Walker, but if the Hoosiers win this one, they could be Rose
1: bowling. What What is the – deal with bowl games this year are there any projections for UK are there any oh yeah I know Bowl well, is there's no necessary win column or amount do you think think all right let's let's play worst case scenario we finished two and eight are we still going to a bowl game
0: yes yeah probably like wow.
3: the Liberty Bowl um because those Unless some of them get canceled, like, Freddie, I heard one of them. I mean, it didn't have SEC ties. But I think all of the bowls with SEC tie-ins will be played because they're such a good TV draw. So, I think all these games, are they're going to get played. So, I, I think no matter what, it's going to happen. And a lot of the ones I've seen are, uh, are Liberty Bowl. Uh, no, no, but obviously that all can change yeah. week
2: to week. I guess Texas is the latest one, right? Yeah, and
3: I, I haven't gone through them. I typically do that on Tuesdays. Uh, but uh, the, the on ESPN right now, they have Kentucky playing uh, Penn State in the Music City Bowl, and the other one is uh, Texas in the Liberty Bowl. So, you know, uh, either way, Liberty it's Bowl. probably going to be about the same.
1: Where's the Liberty Bowl?
2: The- Memphis. Memphis.
3: That stadium is about what, 800 years old.
1: For who tell us they're going to be the studs in a couple of years. Um, not sure the listeners know what really happens during a bye week. Usually today is film, and you review the, the game prize, the review the game. And they have enough kind of full padded, necessarily crazy hard practices. Uh, mostly because you know you're recovering from playing six games. Now this year, six games at all SEC. Um, so you have practice here Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, mostly full pads. Um, but I say no the young guns is because at the end of the bowl or the bye week practices, usually stoops will hold scrimmages where the ones and twos, maybe you'll do a, I don't know, one drive. And then it's kind of, uh, you know, we call it the dirt bowl because, you know, it's when you're full contact. The only time you're full contact during the year is watching the red shirts and or, you know, third to fourth string guys uh, go head up. Uh, always a fun time, you know, cheering on the the young ones when you're a senior and you can barely walk because you've played six games where you get to watch them, you know, go crazy against each other. Um, and then, you know, Fridays are usually off, throwing some lists here, but it's definitely a, a nice week for the college athlete to be able to just decompress and, you know, actually watch football on a Saturday and not mentally be preparing for your own game. Um, just thought people might want to know what happens.
3: Well, I appreciate you sharing that Chuck, even though my <laughs> internet kind of crept out for the beginning of it, I think we got all of it. So Listeners, I'm sorry. It clear okay. over here. Okay, good. Um, man, this, I mean, this—I will say, like when I did my little "what if," uh, I, you know, this pandemic is just—I'm ready to get back to normal. And if anything's taught, if, if I've learned anything about Kentucky football this year, it's that I'm cool with playing MAC teams at the beginning of the year. I don't need these fancy Power Five games on neutral sites. The MAC is just fine by me, Drew Franklin.
0: Yeah, uh, this one-time thing, I'm, hopefully it's a one-time thing. It, it, it looks good on paper, having a fun uh, opponent every week, but, man, it'd be nice to take a, a breath and go into a game not thinking you're staring at a loss.
3: Man, and I know this is not the sport we talk about, but the basketball season in three weeks and we don't have a schedule. Like, what the hell? Like, Get get your stuff together, college basketball. Um, But before – I forget. I did want to give a shout out to our uh, our good friend Bully McCall. Who, Freddie, he's playing well. He's playing real well, and yeah. he, he looked good Saturday. I mean, there was a lot of times too where he's he was pushing that center into the backfield. It was impressive.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at that position, is loaded. You know, with with Bohanna coming back and Bully McCall and Justin Rogers, Josiah Hayes. Kentucky's absolutely loaded at that nose position and that's
3: one of the harder positions to recruit to the fact that they're loaded there yeah Kinda speaks volume to what stoops has built um but yeah hayes got a tackle rogers got in the the stat sheet um but i do expect Bohanna to be back after the bye week so i've heard some good things that um his prognosis hit, that, that they're they're hopeful that he'll be back from that knee spring then so uh <laughs>
0: it's so because when it happened that looked like it looked awful the way he was riding and I thought that might have been the end.
3: Ooh, knock on wood, luckily it it was not. It was not.
1: I like yeah, I like the Marquise McCall you know flex that he does after sometimes it's really not even like a it's a big play but you know we we hold them to a 3 yard rush and there's bully in the backfield, you know like busting his shoulders and and flexing He he always puts up one finger, too,
3: and it's like he's, like, waving (laughs) and pointing. I don't don't know if he's saying, like, I did that, go me, or, like, if he's waving in the crowd. I don't know what that thing is, Drew, but I like it.
0: I like it, too. I, I watched him a lot on the sidelines. I think I even sent you a video, Nick. He dances the entire game. I mean, Coach is talking to him. He's listening. He's looking at him, but he's just dancing, just bobbing back and forth. My man is having fun out there, and I love him.
3: Oh, man. Oh, one thing I didn't want to forget um, because it was quite controversial. You know, we, the good thing is, is we can get to some some leftovers uh, when we meet again next week. But Charles, your um, your former position coach got quote folks uh, quite worked up uh, by sharing his thoughts on the Kentucky football team. Uh, what did you make of Lamar Thomas's uh, tweet about just getting the wide receivers the ball
1: more? no comment <laughs> oh come on you gotta I'm give me something i'm being put in a very awkward situation i i don't know
3: well um, i think that the, and i'll i'll take make the sting less on you but like i feel like it's like oh you mean the the former wide receivers coach wants to throw it to the wide receivers more like of course like that's not anything angry. Like he just wants to get the passing game going. Like I, I, I don't know, like what more you want to say, like. <laughs> and I mean,
1: LT came back out and said, this is not a disgruntled employee talking about his ex players or something like that. This is solely my opinion. Hey, we live in the greatest country in the world where you can, have your own damn opinion and tell everybody. So, um, no, no party necessary. Okay, oh, that's my answer.
3: There you go. But I do think not that, like, well, and well, he he pointed out, he's like, you've been through three wide receiver coaches in the last couple of years. Well, the reason why he's not around is because he didn't recruit any. And like he didn't help get any more guys. Like that's that's why they moved on. And that's and instead they were taking flyers, guys late in the class, like Isaiah Epps, who's been injured for the last two and a half years or so. So like you know Lamar, you 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 did pretty good working with the guys while you had him, but you didn't get any guys here. So you know that's that's part of the problem. Um, but like I, I thought it was hilarious true, that people were actually mad. It's like dude, LT is going to talk LT. Like that's just who he is. Like come on.
0: I mean, the guy's famous for saying what's on his mind. Are we, are we shocked he said anything? Not at all. There, there's actually a thirty for thirty about him saying what's on his mind. So, <laughs> yeah, can't, can't uh, put too much stock into a Lamar Thomas tweet.
3: No, no, no not whatsoever at all. Um, but Freddie, are you are, are you going to be enjoying this bye week? I know you are going to be staying in Lexington to watch um, Catholic versus Catholic when Cov Cat comes to town Friday night.
2: Yeah, uh, the Kroger KSR game of the week is Covington Catholic, number one in 5A, uh, going to Lexington Catholic, uh, number six in their in their classification. So, yeah, it, it should be a good game, and I'm excited about it.
3: And I'm excited to kind of exhale a little bit. It's been a six-week sprint. I think everybody's uh, just kind of, you know, like that was a lot. Um, time to regroup for the final month of the season. We'll be here to help you regroup throughout the bye week uh, to get through these bye week blues. Uh, and we'll be back next week um, for more Kentucky football talk on the KSR football podcast presented by UK federal credit union for drew Franco, Charles Walker and Freddie rash Freddie Roush. No, it's Freddie Magger. And Nick Roush.
2: <laughs> Roush.
3: I pulled I'm full Gerald there, right? I there. Mean, geez. For everybody on the KSR football podcast. Thanks for listening. Go cats and go Kroger
2: and peep the technique.